Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, where we explore the issues shaping the business of higher education. I'm Brian Dixon, Assistant Director for Advocacy and Student Financial Services at Nakubo. I'm joined today by Doug Shantz, who is the Director of Student Financial Services at Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio. Welcome, Doug. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me, Brian. Glad to be here. Of course, of course. So um, I always like to start these episodes, Doug, by having folks tell us a little bit about themselves and their background and how they got here so that folks know why they're they're listening to you. So if you could give us kind of your 30-second elevator pitch, that would be wonderful. Well, I'll do my best. Um, I've been in higher ed for over 20 years. Uh, actually, I always joke about um, I didn't find higher ed. Higher ed found me. Uh, it was not something that uh, I think most of us go to school for, thinking that we are going to end up in higher ed. Uh, my entire higher ed uh, experience has been at Wittenberg University, uh, and it's always been focused in uh, business office and uh, the student financial services aspect. Uh, that really seems to be where most of my experience uh, has been rooted. Uh, I'm a I'm a first gen college student. Uh, I didn't know much about how to pay for college uh, when uh, the time came for me to to go off to college. And uh, I have a strong, strong, I think that experience has given me a strong um, passion for college accessibility and college affordability, which comes out not only uh, in my work, but also my passions and and things that I do outside of work. So (laughs) hobbies. Great, great. Our talk today, we're going to focus on why uh, financial literacy education is important for students and institutions. Um, So let's let's kind of go back to basics here, though. What what is financial literacy education? Sure. Financial literacy education, it helps individuals to be more comfortable and more more knowledgeable uh, about their personal finances and how their everyday decisions uh, that they make uh, the impact that that has on their life experience. So it's it's are we is it designed for uh, college students? Is it designed for future college students? Who, who are yeah. we targeting here with financial literacy education? Um, so I think in our arenas, uh, our main focus is our college students on our campus. Uh, however, uh, financial literacy, uh, there is a, you know, it goes out on a broader level and it's for any person that might need assistance or guidance uh, in, in, you know, when it comes to increasing their financial acumen. It sounds like you're saying is, is that it's not necessarily just focused on college finances, right? It's kind of bigger picture? Uh, Yeah. So I would say uh, for us, again, on our campuses, uh, college finances causes a great deal of anxiety for Mm. our students and families. So that's typically um, 
that becomes our gateway uh, to approaching financial literacy on our campus. So we talk about paying for colleges and paying for college and mitigating student loan debt and all of those things. Uh, that might be what we lead out with. But then on the backside, we can get into money management and budgeting and other things along that those lines. So uh, college finances is key, and uh, it's something that, uh, again, uh, represents all the students and, and our families that are, are you know, part of our constituents of our campus, but certainly uh, can be much broader than that. Because we're talking, obviously, uh, in, in some cases, some significant amounts of money here. Um, we want to make sure uh, folks know kind of what they're getting involved in and, and, and what the, that might mean. So, I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about, um, and you hear in the news, um, student loan debt, you know, but, but I think doubling in the last decade. So uh, it, it makes this, this an important issue um, for, for, for students. So, you know, I, I actually saw recently um, this report from ACT. It was called Dollars Rule Everything Around Me. Uh, college-bound students' views on paying for college. And it, it, it said that you know, significant number of folks don't even understand the basic information about their financial aid and the repayment process and, and how then they look at how that may limit their abilities to, to access aid. Um, and also that report, uh, I thought it was interesting, it noted that um, debt-adverse students, which actually we're starting to see more of those, um, may need additional information about the value of undertaking uh, some, uh, but obviously not too much debt. So um, the notion that sometimes that there's good debt, right? It's not it's not all this um, evil. Uh, it's not this evil concept. Student loan debt. Correct. Correct. I think what you're going to see is, uh, as institutions of higher ed, you know, we have to put stronger emphasis on the value proposition that, that we're, uh, you know, presenting to our students and families because they are consumers and we need to make sure uh, that they feel good about the dollars that they are investing uh, in that education and what uh, the, that return on investment will be over the long term for, for that student or, or for that family. So, yeah, it's very important. Well, you sound like you could be a, a spokesperson for some of the initiatives we're, uh, <laughs> we're focusing on here at Nakubo. No, because, uh, um, you know, that that is uh, something that we're, we're definitely pushing is, is you know, making sure that folks understand the value of this and that it is indeed an investment and and not just, um, you know, students that are going to our, our colleges and universities, but um, the greater the greater community, just understanding that this it opens a lot of more opportunities for for you moving forward. So I, I, I'm pleased to hear you say that, and <laughs> and uh, you're you're in step with us here here at Nakubo. Um, I, I keep a stack of of reports. Uh, it's, it's in a it, well. It used to be in a folder called the ReadMe folder of yes. reports. As I see things, I've got that. And, <laughs> and the ReadMe folder is now turned into a stack <laughs> because it can no longer be contained by a folder. But there was another report that I, I, I read from the U.S. Financial Literacy Education Commission. I don't know if you saw that one, and um, they made several recommendations actually. Um, that, you know, institutions require mandatory financial literacy courses, uh, that schools deploy well-trained peer educators, and uh, schools would, you know, should integrate financial literacy into the core curricula and communicate with, with their students about financial topics more often than during required entrance and exit counseling. So I guess uh, a question for you is what, what kind of do you agree with those recommendations? And, and are there any areas of disagreement? 
Yeah, so I did have a, a chance to, to read that report. It's 40 pages <laughs> of the most riveting reading that you will ever find. <laughs> of course. Uh, and uh, what, I, what I liked about the report, um, you know, the recommendations that uh, were provided, they're, they're founded on a significant amount of research, uh, and they represent uh, some of the best practices that a lot of our peer institutions are implementing on their campuses. Uh, so it's really easy to get behind uh, that, uh, and, and so I think there's some good recommendations in there. Uh, however, the, the only thing where, and I'm trying to uh, find my way to find comfort with this, is financial literacy, uh, I, I think, you know, it's more of a national thing uh, in the sense that you have to keep in mind, uh, even though this is focused on students that are coming to our campus, in the state of Ohio, only 60% of our high school graduates actually go to college afterwards, or nationally, it's like around 70%, I think, is where it's at. So, what you find is is that there's this population that is getting lost. You know, mm. if they're not hitting college campuses, then what are the resources that are being made available to them if they are in a position to where they need some assistance in increasing their financial acumen? And so, um, you know, I, I, I think that's one thing where we need to think about as a society uh, in, and think about, um, you know, things that might be more on a, maybe it's a, at the high school level or at the middle school level, uh, but we have to think about how we are impacting those students that are not hitting our campus uh, in, in a positive way. So uh, I think it's great, and I, I support everything uh, that was in those recommendations, but I, I do think there needs to be a, a little bit more of a broader discussion to make sure we're capturing all the masses and not just, uh, you know, one segment of it. Right. Well, and, and along those lines, um, you know, capturing folks that, that aren't uh, necessarily going to attend um, an institution of higher education after high school. Um, but I think also uh, that, that kind of earlier, that high school um, uh, education part, I mean, even for the folks, obviously for the folks that do, right. I mean, there's, there's probably some value in, in educating uh, these uh, future students before they come to your campus as freshmen. Exactly, exactly. One of the studies in that U.S. Financial Literacy Education Commission showed that uh, they had three basic financial literacy questions that they asked uh, college-bound students. And of all the uh, people surveyed, only 28% of them got it correct. Okay. So, so you know, it yeah. does go to show that there is a need. And so, you know, you know, again, those were college-bound students. Um, so, yes, we got to think about how we can do that. And, and maybe it's state-supported initiatives. It's, you know, local school districts. I, I don't know. But we have to think about how we can weave financial literacy in uh, maybe at a younger age and expose some students a little bit earlier on so that they have time to absorb that before they get into more real-world situations. Sure. Uh, they also mentioned, you know, beyond what's required in the entrance and exit counseling. Can you just quickly explain what 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 goes on there and what, what is covered um, yeah. <laughs> because it sounds like it, it might not necessarily be enough and it may be a, well, I'll let you explain. Sure. It. So on the entrance and exit counseling sessions, uh, these are for uh, before a student can have access to a federal student loan. They have to go through this process. Uh, you know, the timing of the entrance and exit counseling sessions aren't necessarily great. These students are in a period of transition. Uh, so, you know, they've got a lot going on, a lot of distractions. Uh, so they're very quickly uh, kind of hurriedly going through the entrance or the exit counseling. The exit counseling they do uh right before they graduate or right after they graduate or somewhere around there. But um, really what that 
those counseling sessions covers rights and responsibilities of um, the borrowers, and it talks about their payment options. And, uh, you know, and then it does highlight, it does a very broad brushstroke of uh, financial literacy resources, mm. you know, that might be available to them. But it's not a very... Um, deep, intensive, uh, meaningful engagement with the student. And I, I think I think what I see coming on the horizon is probably ways in which they can beef that up a little bit more to make it more meaningful uh, for the students that are, are going to be uh, borrowing uh, federal education loans to help help with their college expenses. Okay. But it's it's a good place to start. Oh my goodness, yeah. yes. Yes. And and every borrower has to do it. It's yeah. it's federally required. So uh, that actually helps in, in putting some teeth into maybe uh, one aspect of some of the outreach that that's occurring uh, and how to make sure that everybody gets exposure to it. Okay. So I, I wanted to share that, you know, um, Nakubo, we we do a a study of of the kind of called the Policies and Procedures Survey, about what goes on in student accounts offices. And we do this every every three years, and it's kind of looking at, at I mean, the name kind of says it, the Policies and Procedures. <laughs> and we did look at uh, the most recent um, survey uh, is from 2016. We'll be collecting data um, this year in, in 2019. Uh, here we are three years later. But we found actually that only... Um, 58% of the respondents, and it was something like 400 schools, indicated they provide financial literacy education above those federal minimums. Um, any any thoughts, though, on what we could be doing to, to increase those numbers? I mean, obviously, reports like the one we've mentioned are, are, are asking for that. But in, in your opinion, um, anything that, that we can do to, to increase that? Is it just getting buy-in from uh, uh, the leadership of the institution that this is a, a worthy endeavor. Um, curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So I think the thing that we need to do is we just need to, we need to make sure that we're raising awareness at all levels uh, within the institution and, and have an understanding that increased financial literacy uh, efforts, uh, they do have a positive impact, uh, not only on retention, but also graduation rates at our mm. institutions. And those, those are, that's a big deal. And especially, um, you know, whether you're a chief business officer or you're in student financial services or you're in student success, whatever it might be, uh, anything that you can do to have a positive impact on your retention and or your graduation rates is something that you need to make sure that you're investing time in to, to happen. So I think the key thing that we have to continue to do is just raise awareness of the importance of financial literacy outreach and efforts that uh, need to happen on our campuses with those students that, that we have there. Great, great. All right. We've talked about why it's important. We've talked um, what, I guess, let's jump in. What are some of the big, um, imp I, I want to kind of cover both ends of the spectrum here. So I, I want to hear uh, maybe uh, one or two big impressive things that you've seen from schools in this space and maybe the smaller, the, the low hanging fruit, if you will, things that, that uh, schools with, uh, let's say, less res fewer resources, um, what they can do. Um, so if you could kind of yeah. uh, share with us what, what you're seeing out there in this space. I will tell you the things that um, have impressed me the most. A uh, couple institutions come to mind. Uh, the first one is Elgin Community College, uh, located in Chicago. Uh, Kimberly Wagner, she's head of their student financial services there. And one of the, uh, as part of their programs for uh, offering uh, federal student loans to students, their entrance counseling session, again, a federally mandated thing, they've taken it a step further and they actually meet one-on-one -on -one with each 
student that is going to their institution prior to them being able to take out a federal education loan. So they do that entrance counseling session in person to make sure that they are absorbing all the information that they want to share with them, make sure they fully understand what that means when they're Mm -hmm. taking out those student loans, and then also making sure they understand uh, their their obligations when it comes to repaying that and and, and when that will occur. And so I've always uh, admired Elgin Community College for for doing that. And they really are leaders in the industry by rolling that out, because that's not easily done. Well, I, I mean, probably too. Though it's it's maybe a little easier at a community college where you might not have uh, so many so many folks borrowing. Maybe maybe Pell might be covering um, their costs for for majority. Um, yes. but it probably does help. But it's it's definitely a, uh, an innovative uh, approach. Um, um, but uh, uh, other other things. What what yeah. like what, uh, what some the, other? So so the other school that kind of jumps out at at me as being an industry leader would be Ohio State University, uh, certainly in my backyard being from Ohio. Um, But one of the things that they have done is peer-to-peer mentor counseling. Uh, And what you will find with college students these days, uh, they tend to listen more to their peers than they do from other folks. And so by implementing this peer-to-peer mentoring uh, counseling uh, program at Ohio State, they've they've just, it's been amazing some of... um, the outcomes of that as it relates to, you know, their students and reducing the anxiety of, you know, paying for college or student loan debt. Uh, and and so I've always uh, been very impressed by by what Ohio State has been doing. So, so those are two schools that kind of jump out at me as far mm-hmm. as impressive things in regard to like, uh, you know, smaller, lower hanging fruit, especially for institutions. You know, a lot of us don't have a whole lot of resources that we can apply to our financial literacy efforts. So we have to uh, work smarter, not harder, and figuring out how to deliver those things. And one of the things that I would recommend to institutions, if you don't have a whole lot of resources, you need to understand there's a lot of free resources out mm. there. And one of the more prominent ones uh, that I would, I would recommend is called cashcourse.org. It's uh, provided by the National Endowment for Financial Education. It's free to every institution. They can actually create a custom portal for your institution, custom branded, uh, and and then uh, what they do is uh, not only do they create this custom portal with all these resources about financial literacy, uh, but they give you tools and resources that help you in distributing that through your existing channels, whether it be social media channels, email channels, whatever communications you have on campus. And then they also support uh, through, uh, they do micro grants with different campuses to help with some specialty initiatives there. So if you don't have a whole lot of resources, cashcourse.org. Um, uh, there's a person there by the name of Amy Hartenstein. I think she was recently married, so last name might be different. Uh, but uh, she can get your campus up and going in a matter of weeks. Uh, it does; It's not a long, drawn-out process. So that's something that I would put out there uh, to those that are listening. Uh, if you're looking for a resource and one that's free and one that's easy to implement, uh, cashcourse.org is, is definitely should be a go-to resource for you. Cash, cashcourse.org. Yep. All right. This is clearly important for students and families, um, mm-hmm. but it also financial literacy education um, is important for for our schools too, right? Because when you think about um, uh, cohort default rates, where you know the, the Department of Education is measuring uh, how many students, you know, if students are paying, if when they default on their loans, if they default within the first three years of repayment, um, and your schools 
that number gets a little higher, gets a little higher, you could be at risk for losing uh, the eligibility to have, you end up risking uh, access to Title IV financial aid. So uh, I think then it it should be a little clearer, perhaps, then to folks listening that that this is something they should be paying attention to. Um, There's, uh, we we mentioned cash cashcourse.org. That's a little uh, tougher to say than I hope. And I'll let you, I'll let you provide a plug too, because I know you, you have some resources too. That you. Oh, well, that is very kind of you, Brian. Yeah. Uh, a long time ago, uh, identifying a need for trying to get information out there to the masses as it relates to college accessibility and college affordability, affordability. Um, I did, I created a, a website, uh, cheapscholar.org. It was a blog, uh, started out, um, just very small, uh, and then over, over time, it's, it's been about a decade in the making now. It's just grown by leaps and bounds, uh, which is representative of the need for people to have just good, unbiased information out there to help give them guidance on how to navigate the financial aspect of, of the college experience. So uh, that's been a passion of mine and one that I've always, uh, you know, just continue to, to try and plug away at as time and and time allows. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving a nod to that. Well, it's very no, kind of no. you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing uh, that great work and spreading the great word. And and I wanted to thank you for, for joining me here on this, this episode of Nakubo in Brief. Uh, thanks so much, Doug. Well, great. Thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. And thanks to our listeners. Uh, and a reminder, as always, be sure to tell a friend or a colleague about this podcast and be sure to uh, give us a rating if you like us on iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. So, uh, uh, for Nakubo, uh, this is Brian Dixon. We'll see you next time. <laughs>